talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. Everybody to the KIRP radio show. I'm your host, Pudgy. You guys know what it is, man. Same time, same place. This is where we do it. This is definitely where we bring it live. So I definitely want to give a shout out to everybody out there who uh who supports the show, you know, on a regular basis or 
to all my new folks out there. Shout out to all the new listeners out there, man. And um, we're doing some good numbers out there. I like what's going on. I see we got more people interactive on the Facebook page. So shout out to all the Facebook listeners out there and all the Twitter followers and the blogs and this, that, and the third. Um, you know what? This week we got uh, Sonny Johnson is going to come on here in a little bit. You know, you guys know my sister Sonny. She's going to come on and um, she's going to be talking to uh, a very controversial but real gentleman by the name of Cat Black. Shout out to Cat Black who will be on here in just a second, uh, in, in just a few minutes actually. And, uh, but, you know, before we get to all that, just want to give a shout out to all the people who listened to us last week. We got a lot of comments. Uh, I, I think people like the feedback. And, uh, you know, people love a good debate, a good argument, if you will. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that they only, at least online, right? There, there's people out there who only live uh, for the debate, you know. So I think what we do on, I think what we do on this show uh, by talking about some issues that people just don't swallow very well, you know, talking about some issues that people don't like to talk about, some things that are kind of edgy, you know. And and I feel like, you know, for the life of me, I feel like this show is educational on so many different levels and it also opens the door to conversation that you know folks are, are normally scared to have so you know that's why we have this show that's why we do it that's why we love to do it so shout out to everybody out there listening man definitely got to give a big shout out to jan morgan who's probably listening tonight probably listening jan I'm, I'm pretty sure she's listening so shout out to jan who uh tea party patriot you know jan is a jan is a definitely um She's feisty, <laughs> you know. She's definitely feisty. So if you ever heard Jan speak before, you know, make sure you guys look for. Uh, maybe we can have her on the show here sometime soon. But she'll be down here in North Carolina, North Kakalaki at the Constitution Day Tea Party Rally at uh, Joe Miyoki out there in the mountains. That'll be September 28th uh, this year. So you guys make sure you come out and check that out. Uh, also got to give a shout out to all my people out there in Surrey County. You guys always hold me down, man. Appreciate all the love that you give me. And uh, we got a new group of folks who have uh, who have uh, joined the the listener banks, or I won't say the organization, but some people within the organization. So shout out to the Durham Bulls. The Durham Bulls. You, you guys know who the Durham Bulls are. They do big things out there in Durham, North Carolina, uh, minor league baseball. Uh, a very known, well-known club, you know, always doing big things. Met some of those gentlemen over the past week, so shout out to the Durham Bulls. And, uh, you know, keep you guys, hope you guys are winning. Maybe we can get out there and check you guys out and have a show out there live one night, man. Who knows what's going to happen. But anyway, listen, man, got a big show tonight. We're going to talk about some, uh, some, some different things, you know, some things that you guys might ought to get your popcorn ready, as T.O. said, you know, some, might be some things that you don't like. Maybe some things that you want to communicate about. So if if that happens to be um, something that gets on your nerves so much that you feel like you need to call in, here's the number, 619-638-8559. Hit number one if you got a comment. We will try our best to bring you on the show. Sometimes we get a little long-winded, but it is what it is. You know, we'll try to get you guys on the show. And what we do, we always try to allow people to speak their piece. Because, you know, normally you call into these talk shows or you go on these, these television shows or if you do interviews or what may have you, you know, you don't have time to really express your opinion. 
So, you know, we try to do something a little bit different on this show, and we allow people to talk. Now, within that, sometimes people are long with it, and they're just boring. You know, everybody's not meant for radio. Everybody's not meant for TV. So, shout out to all my boring people out there, but we try to give you guys a platform to speak. So, maybe shorten it up a little bit and, you know, give some other folks some time to speak. This is no diss, man. I'm just keeping it 100. Some of y'all are boring, so it is what it is. But, uh, you know, so that's what we do, 619-638-8559. We're going to go to a commercial, and when we come back, Sonny Johnson's going to have the mic, and I'm going to tune in a little bit, and we got some things to talk about. You're rocking with the number one black conservative show, Southeastern United States. We do it big, well over 10 million listeners, well over 25, 30 listeners every single Sunday. I mean, because we're B.I.G. like that. So check us out, man. Um. We'll be right back after these messages. You're rocking with your boy Pudgy at NC Pudgy on Twitter at KRP Radio Show. You know where to find us. Also, check us out on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash KRP Radio Show. You're rocking with your boy. We'll be right back after this one single commercial. Just one. Just one. thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800-442-2762. Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. Everybody to the KIRP Radio Show. I'm your host Pudgy Man, and we're gonna bring on uh, one caller right now, uh, Kevin Jump, Kevin Daniels. I'm sorry. Right before we bring Sonny and Cap on, we're gonna bring Kevin in here for a second. And uh, Kevin's got an announcement to make. Kevin, what's up? Hey, Amon. Yeah, you on live, brother? How you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. How about you? I'm lovely, man. I feel real good right now, man. Real good, you know. Got some, got some All things right. coming up here. Can Can you hear me clearly, Kevin? Don't sound like I'm echoing. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. 
So what's nah, what's nah. on your mind this Sunday, brother? Um, I just wanted to just make this announcement to all the people here in North Carolina. From uh, May 15th through June 16th, um, there's a, a, a one-of-a-kind document that's being displayed for the public to view at the Museum of Natural History oh, yeah. in Raleigh. And, and this document is the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, for those that don't know what it is, it was signed by President Abraham Lincoln on September 22nd, 1862, and it was to it was the precursor, you know, to free all of the slaves, um, effective January 1st, 1863. And um, this document is for all of you. I encourage everybody. It's a free. It, it's 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 a free viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, just go up, you know, to the to the Museum of Natural History in in Raleigh, and um, you know, go check out this this historic, one of a kind document called the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation. Wow! I'm sorry, Museum Museum of History. I yeah, said that wrong. Museum of History. Yeah, we got you. We got you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, this this is this is this is rare. Like you don't North Carolina hasn't gotten this before. I, I think if it came here before, it was only what a day or two, Kev. Oh, no, nah, this is the first time it's ever been in North Carolina, this being the 150th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, yeah. We're the only state We're the only state in the country to get it for a month. Everybody else gets it for a couple of days or a week at most. But yeah. uh, we got it for we got it for an entire month. That's a big deal, man. How, how did that – I mean, that's a huge deal. Like, how, how did that even transpire? How did that go down, you know? How did North Carolina get picked to be the site that – you know they would bring the official document for an entire month. You know we got some uh, some good people down there advocating on on uh, behalf of the state. We got some good people down there in the uh, in the history museum, and there's okay. also something that we got coming up in I think 2015. It's called the Freedom Monument. So the Freedom Monument project, the people that are running that, and then the people that are down there at the museum. You know they did did a good job going down to the National Archives and convincing convincing them up there in D.C. that uh, we should have this this document longer than anybody else, and they they uh, successfully stated their case and we got it. Wow, that's that's amazing right there. Have Have you ever seen the official document yourself? Oh yeah, I was there um, uh, on May 14th. They had the uh, ribbon cutting ceremony, grand opening, and um, I was there, man. I I, I was able to. Be one of the, um, you know, there's about a, about 80 people there, mm-hmm. and I was I was able to walk through, man, and 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 see and 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 to to view with my own eyes, man. It's that's crazy. It's, it's, it's something, you know. That is it's, it's, it's something being being able to walk up to it and 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 it's right there in your in your face. The only thing separating you from it is is a little is a little glass case. Wow. You know, and then being able to look at. You know this this document where the president said that he you know in this document he said that we that African descendants were no longer slaves but he acknowledged us as people and that was something that was powerful in itself powerful. no longer recognized as a piece of property but people wow. you know yeah, for, man. For so a lot it, of was, people, it was B I G definitely B I G man. <laughs> For for a lot of people, I mean, they they don't they don't understand the value of this man, and 
And it's really, to me, you know, I definitely plan on taking my family out there, but to me it's a, it's a once-of-a-lifetime uh, uh, type of thing, event. And um, so, you know, shout-out to uh, the, the Durham GOP, too, man. I got to give a shout-out to Ted Hicks and those guys over there. And um, definitely shout-out to Governor Corey's office, man. You guys are doing some big things out here, Kev. The History, the History Museum, shout-out to them, too. And, uh, you know, some people working in North Carolina, man. So I, I, I hope people understand what, what this is about. You know, I hope people understand the, the weight of this. You know, like this is historic for North Carolina. So, you know, I hope people come out and, and really support the Emancipation Proclamation and, and go in and check that document out, man. That's that's major. Word, word. And, um, yeah, Durham GOP, June 2nd, 2 p.m. They're doing a little tour down there, um, have some speakers coming coming through um uh, Pastor Pastor Donald Fozar from Durham and um and Justice Paul Newby from the uh I think it's the Supreme Court, North Carolina yep. Superior Court. Justice yep. Paul Newby is gonna be, be one of the speakers down there too. So shout out to both of them for, you know, giving their time to go and talk about this important piece of history. Yeah, Ted, if you're listening, I, I already talked to your people so five minutes, that's all I need. I'm I'm coming to get that. Get on the stage and let people know <laughs> I'll be back, you know, so I'll, I'll definitely be there. Hey, man, Kev, what's going on with the governor's Yo. office, man? Before I let you go, I, I just got to ask you because, you know, I, I've been getting the emails. I've been getting the phone calls, and, you know, some people like this. Some people don't like, like that. But one thing I do know is that numbers don't lie, despite of what people like or they don't like. And from what I've been seeing, uh, a, a couple of, of, of staff members and myself have been putting the numbers together. And uh, right now, Governor McCory is rocking. We're looking like, you know, he's brought some people to the table who's going to spend well over $300 million with North Carolina and going to supply us with well over, uh, I don't know, it, it looks like a thou- over 1,000 jobs or better, over 3,000 jobs or better, excuse me. Uh, 5,000 jobs. They 5, he made an announcement since, um, since coming in in January up until today, the creation of over 5,000 jobs coming to North Carolina, and um, what, is, what is big, what he's pushing right now is something that he created called Partnership for Prosperity, where his 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 whole administration is, is focusing on jobs. Man, they they signed some big deals, um, energy deals, um, all, all forms of energy. You know, we got all forms of energy coming to North Carolina, man. That's the that's the energy, uh, I mean, not energy, that's, that's um, biofuels, wind, Natural gas. They pushing for the for the offshore exploration, mm-hmm. and those are jobs and and a lot of revenue coming coming to the state. You know, so he's pushing all of the as as he call it all of the above energy approach. And right. um, they already got a lot of companies, out of state companies already already positioning themselves in all of those any energy sectors to come down here and to start creating these jobs, man, and building up these rural communities where the unemployment rate is 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 in the 20s, you know, in yeah. the 20s, oh, yeah. 40s percent, you know, where these people are hurting down there, man, it's going to bring, bring some real economic relief. And we not, you know, in the, in the McCoy administration, man, we ain't just talking about it, man. We be about it. We not on TV, <laughs> you know, we not on TV talking about this person or that person. We we, we letting up. We, we doing numbers. You know, that's so I can say that to all you critics out there. We doing our numbers, you know, like Styles P., was telling people, get off my man joint, let him do his numbers. Because <laughs> that's what he out there doing. He out there doing his numbers. <laughs> that's the first time I ever heard somebody 
make a reference to Styles P, member of the locks to a Republican governor ever. <laughs> Yo, shout out for you. Shout out to B.I.G. Shout out to Governor McCoy because right now, like I said before, and I'm the first person to call a spade a spade. Despite our relationship, Kevin, it is what it is. And, you know, that man is whacking, so I, I got nothing negative to say about that. Um, I'm curious to know about these highways and these tolls and that agenda and what's coming on with that. So not just yet, though. We we want to bring you back, and we want to talk about that later. And, uh, and, and hopefully, we, you know, we leave an open invitation for you to come back every week and let us know what's going on with our state government in North Carolina because a lot of people don't know, and we need someone like yourself who holds the ability to break it down to everybody to be able to come back and let us know what's really going on out there. So shout out to you, Kev. I appreciate oh, yeah. you coming on, brother. Oh yeah, I'm here too, man. And a um, couple weeks, man, have um, I come back and talk about the the Medicaid, uh, what he's doing, what what they're doing with Medicaid, dropping the dropping the cost, making it more efficient, saving people paper. Yeah, we're doing it down here. Well, that that's what's up, man. And shout out to you, Kev. You got to give a shout out before we let you go, brother. Oh, uh, man, shout out to UP. Shout out to the fam. Shout out to my sis Sunny, holding it down as always. On her way. Uh, shout out to my wife. Who's who, who's handing me handing me information to read off because he said I was reading it wrong. <laughs> so big, big shout out to her for for putting that's me in my place. <laughs> hey, that's what that's what they're there for, man, and make us better because ain't no way in heck we can do it without them. Ain't no way in hell we can do it without them. Let me stop tripping. Yo, Kev, I appreciate Word. you coming through, brother. We about to bring Sonny on, man. We are gonna get this party started. So keep listening. Shout out to Levon, the love you, baby. We out of here. You rocking right, the KRRP Radio Show, baby. 619-638-8559. This is the number one black conservative show in the world. Like, I don't care what you think, but... KRRP Radio! It's rocking. So, Sonny, what's up? Uh, what's up, bro? How you doing? Good, man. How you? Oh, I'm in a good mood. Real good mood. And it filled my belly up, so trying to break my itis. Yeah, you, you know, I got that, got that black people sickness, the itis now. Put that on me. I'm trying to lose weight, too. <laughs> I got to get back in shape, man. I'm, I'm, I suck, yo. Ah, man. Well, at least y'all can admit it. I say that for y'all men and y'all old age. Man, I suck, man. I, man, I, I tell you. You know something, like, the older you get as a man, like I, I know why men have these, like, uh, midlife crisis now. Like, I get it. And I'm not even at my midlife yet, but I, I get it, man, because, yo, if it keeps going like this, I'm going to have to buy a hot car, too, because I don't look that hot no more. So, you know, you ain't going to get them same looks that you used to get, you know? That's the reason, <laughs> that's, the reason that's the reason you treat your lady right, because she always will look at you like that. Yeah, she so loves when you though, get but... older, you ain't got to worry about it. You treat your girl right when you start... Graying and 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 hurting and and all that stuff, she still be there loving you. So that's yeah, she loved me. I ain't, you know that you, that bond can't be broken. But sometimes you want you want to look appealing to everybody else too. And well, shout that's out to a, but that's kind of nah nah. Yeah. I think I think you put people put too much stake in looking better for everybody else. No, I don't think no, so. I like because I, 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 I see you your look post good. one pretty. day. I see yeah. your post one day, and you put on there, um, sometimes you got to dress up and make her remember what you what, why she fell in love with you in the first place. That's right. Yeah, we can Yeah, you it. was all cleaned up and spiffy looking all, all, all GQ. Yeah. There you go. See, all that stuff you talking is nonsense. That's noise. Yeah, we, I'm saying that, that was, but if it keeps 
Okay, all right, I'll take that. I ain't finna sit here. And, I, I feel, yeah, don't I feel, fight me, Artie. Just yeah, I ain't gonna fight that. I, that's a compliment, man. I gotta take it while I can get it. You know, I'll put them in my memory banks, and when times get tough, I can go back to this moment. Anyway, yo, how was your week? Oh, it's it's been interesting. I think maybe next week I can tell you about this week, but right now this week gotta <laughs> gotta settle and permeate. But it, it's been an interesting week, and things are happening in North Carolina, and things are happening here in Virginia that 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 are going to change up some things in politics too. Like we had our um, state convention today, oh, and yeah. um, Bishop E. W. Jackson won the seat for the lieutenant general's um, spot, and he'll be running with Ken Cuccinelli. So, I mean, you have this awesome Tea Party (laughs) ticket that's getting ready to take over Virginia just as well. So I'm I'm really excited about that. You got talking about politics, so that's where my mind is at right now. So I want to give a big shout-out to Bishop E.W. Jackson and his whole entire team. Let me tell you, Pete, Pete, let me give you some honesty. Please do. You know how when you set out to say, I'm going to do something, everybody tells you it can't be done? Oh, always. This is what this man did. Now, Bishop Jackson is former military. He used to be a Marine. Yeah. Now he's a pastor of a church down in in Southern Virginia. Yeah. And he runs a a God-centered platform where he actually makes that a position in his platform. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's like it's like one of the freakiest things I've ever seen. Well, he ran for the Senate seat last year, and he lost out in the primaries. So this year he ran for the lieutenant governor seat. And in Virginia, we now have a black Republican candidate for lieutenant governor. <laughs> That's interesting alone. <laughs> Yo, it's some... It's some people that don't like that, and, and not to mention a Tea Party uh, guy. And they tried, they tried their best to knock him down. I'm, I'm sure. telling you, with filing dates, I, I'm telling you, they tried their best to make it impossible for this man. And it's so funny because I got to speak with um, Bishop Jackson at a pro-life rally. And yeah. I, I was so it's up there. We're up there with um like Ronald Reagan's pastor and like some of these biggest you know big names. And you have all of the and then you have like me, you know. And I'm like I have no reason to write or you know reason to stand here or right to stand here like next to these men. And so as I'm speaking, um. I, I really got into it. Instead of reading off a paper, I just let it go from my heart. I, I didn't I like plan that. anything. I was like, whatever come out, come out. And I yeah. said my piece. And right towards the end, I could hear Bishop Jackson in the background. And he's like, oh, goodness. Hey, man, hey, man. You know, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man. I could just hear him in the background. <laughs> and that's when I stopped. And that was the point that I knew I had said everything that I needed to say when I heard Bishop Jackson in the background. So I just want to give a big shout-out. He did big things this week at the Virginia State Convention, and now he'll be our candidate for lieutenant governor. That's nice, man. Shout-out to Bishop Jackson, too. One well-spoken, wonderful man, down-to-earth guy, but don't sleep on him because uh, that, oh, that man, no, that's, please that's don't a very sleep. intelligent man. Uh, trust me, I've met him a few times. But he has, um, I've heard a few details about what they're planning as far as the campaign strategy mm-hmm. and how they're planning to operate down here. Oh, my goodness, I'm excited. 
<laughs> I'm excited. I mean, is it just the idiom of that you have to show up? Yeah. Now we have a candidate who's like, no, I'm not just gonna show up. I'm gonna show up and show out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch this campaign. It's definitely gonna be fun. So we can try to mimic up here in Virginia what y'all are doing down there in North Carolina. I heard my bro earlier doing big things. So shout out Kevin Dane. Well, and and shout out again to Bishop Jackson too. But shout out to you, Sonny man, because like we. There's been a lot of people that said Sonny needs to be involved with this political process. I'm sure you heard it before. Yeah. I know I've heard it several times before. And I'm not saying they're right, but I'm not saying they're wrong. But I think something more must go on with Sonny Johnson. Let me just put that out here. Right. This is my sister. I'm, I'm going to put it on the air, too. I, we need more of Sonny. Like, society needs more of Sonny. Um. Everyday people need more of you because you have a gift that a lot of people don't hold, Sonny, and they pay a lot of money to try to get there, but it's something you have naturally. And, and you know, people pay all this money to be trained, to talk to different types of groups. Um, people like Kevin and myself, and shout out to Kevin for bringing me in that process, but, you know, we've sat down with people in rooms and, and, and if not trained them, basically told them exactly how to approach people, what to say, and why they need to say it. And and that keeps going on and on and on and on because, frankly, some people can't relate. So you do have an ability, Sonny, to reach people across the masses, and really that's what politics is all about outside of the, you know, the, the, the grimy stuff that go on. But on the surface of it all, you know, people are just trying to reach everybody to get the most support. Now, the difference is you, you do this for the right reason. Like, you're not doing this for a check. You're doing it because your heart's in the right place, because you want people to know it's a godly mission for you, a God movement for you. And I'm now, you know, I was listening to some of the shows and going back and listening to some of your speeches throughout the week, and I'm like, damn, you know what? Like, I, I, Sonny, I agree. Like, I was never the one that, that wanted to push you into a race or to a seat or, or none of that. But I'm, I'm like some of these people out here, too, now. Like, I need more of you. Like, we need more of you. Like I said before, society needs more of you. And as your brother, as your friend, your homie, your your sidekick, you know, your tanto, whatever you want to call it, I think it's my job and Kev and everybody else is close to you to figure out, and, and definitely your, your other half, but it, it's our job to figure out how we can help put you in that position to do exactly what needs to be done, even if it's not something that you're the most comfortable with. And I get that, and I thank you, thank you for all that. But let me let me tell you what I'll tell you honestly, and honestly, this is the biggest the biggest impediment is I don't think that the people on top realize that we don't want to be like them, and I really believe that that is the biggest impediment. And I'll give you one example. Okay, if I want to get more interviews. If I wanted to really get out there and really put myself out there, I would. this is what I would have to do. I would have to act like a nigga because they don't want you if you don't. You have to be one of two things. You have to act like a nigga or you have to be a black conservative victim. 
So mm-hmm. you either have to go out and act completely ignorant so that they can catch you on video doing something completely ignorant that will go viral because they love ignorance. Damn. They want they want you to go and they want me to go and like find people. Stupid people, ignorant people that I wouldn't talk to on a normal day and ask them about politics because it makes yeah. good video. Oh, and man. I'm like, these are the same people that I would then turn around and say, would you consider voting for me? Right. You know, I'm not going to go to them and, and try to make them look like an idiot because you think it's funny. Or because you think it's good. I'm not going to do that. It's not my integrity to do that. So that puts me off of that list. And the second list is the victimization list, where if the story happens, something happens, um, they call Ben Carson out of his name. Um, They call Sean Hannity a racist for something he said. Something like that. Then they call the black person, and the black person comes in and says, oh, no. They're not racist. The other side is racist. They really want us to be on the planet. You know, and like I said, I'm not, I don't have that in my integrity to do that either. Because you're yeah. going to be like, well, they called you or Uncle Tom. I'm going to be like, that's nice. Now, can we talk about something that matters? The issue, right? Yeah, but, but no, they want to stick on the fact of how mean the liberals are. And I'm like, this is why you lose because this is not stuff. And where we grew up, you learned about name calling when you were Five. You knew oh, yeah. how your t- your skin was tough enough by the time you were nine. You know, this mess now, what if a liberal will say to me that's going to make me totally enraged and spend 20 minutes defending myself? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But this is what they, they get paid to do this. They get paid to be these people. And I cannot. It is not a way to victory. It is not a way to win. It is not a way to reach people's heart. It is not a way to touch people. It is not. It is not. So what I plan on doing, and I, and I completely, even you know how humble I am, but I'll give you some honesty. I completely agree with you. I, I have come to the point now where I realize the gift that I've been given at its full potential. And the point of getting it out there is, you know, uh, you know, one of them one of them things. But this is what I've learned in everything that I've done. God didn't bring me here to say this was enough. No doubt. So and so the next step that's coming, I, I, I just I will rest in it and wait and wait patiently for it. Because okay. everything happens like like look, like like let me tell you what's funny. So about for the last two years, I've had people come to me and be like, okay, well, do you want to join this group, that group, the other group? And, I, and I'm like, no, I really don't want to do a group thing. I think that there's enough groups. So they're yeah. like, well, you can create <laughs> your own group. And this way, it will allow you for the, to, to, you know, do fundraising, this, that, and the other, all of that. So I've had a hesitation about it, a, a very strong hesitation about it for about the last two years. So I haven't done it. So when IRS... A story breaks. I'm like, oh, all I did was save myself an audit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they would have looked at my they would have looked at my my papers and been like, okay, yeah, she's a conservative. And then I would have had FBI and all of them harassing me like they harassed everybody else. Yeah. 
No doubt. Especially because I'm not just a conservative. I'm a black conservative, and I'm a black conservative with a voice. If that contract had came across their desk earlier, you know, what? who knows what kind of trouble I would be in. So I always look at it like, even though I didn't know God was protecting me, he was protecting me. Right. And after the IRS scandal broke, I finally found peace with the thought of organizing and starting my own group. So I really believe everything has its time. Every Everything has its time. And if you truthfully put your faith in God to let him guide you and stop with the worries and stop with the doubts and stop with the less than thinking and start seeing yourself like he sees you through his eyes, see, one day, Everything mm-hmm. me and you were wishing for, everything you, me, and Kevin have been dreaming for, all the reasons that we started this, we're going to see it. And on that, I have absolute certainty. Well, hit, man, I, listen, you just spoke to my heart. Like, so I, I know when you, I know exactly what you're saying. I've seen it. I've heard it. And, and you know, I think a lot of us go through it, uh, black conservatives. I, I know we go through it. And, um... You know, I, I always say that, you know, I define conservatism like it, it is what it is for you. It is what it is for other folks. It is what it is for the world. But I say we define it because we define ourselves, period. And uh, in, in, in defining ourselves, it, it's it's an amazing thing because it, it takes us away from the junk, which the, the stuff that you were talking about. Uh, I call it the blackface, the, the shucking and jobbing. Like, I'm not cool with the sucking and jobbing and the blackface and the tap dancing so everywhere I go, I'm me. And, you know, I, I've seen people, you know, they, they look at you like, you know, how dare he talk to. And, and, and this is what's crazy. Like, when I, when I know politicians, when I meet them and I deal with them, this is anybody. You know, I, I don't care who you are, what title you hold or how much money you have or what may have you. Once I get to know you, I know you. So if we've shared moments where we've sat and we talked and we had a cup of coffee or whatever, when I see you, I'm probably going to say, what's up, homie, or how you doing, such and such and such, or representative, what's up, blah, 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 blah. And you know what I found, Sonny? People don't like that. You know, I I found that I've seen people look at me like, how dare you say what's up to uh, the lieutenant governor? And you know me, I'm like, the lieutenant governor be like, (laughs) nothing much, chilling. And that's the point point that, boy, them need to see. That a lot of hey, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you something funny, and I, 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 I this is really funny, right? So I have two sides of my family. Well, I have like three or four different sides of my family, but two particular sides of my family, right? And on one side there are some country white rednecks, right? And on the yeah. other side there are some really really ghetto people. So they had a gathering last weekend, and I wasn't able to go. And, I, you know, I was kind of sad about it, but I don't really get to be around them anyway a lot, so I, it was no big deal. But when I found out both of these sides of my family was coming together, I was tickled pink because I was like, they're both crazy. And this is, this is something really important uh, about how much they have in common. My ghetto side is crazy and violent. My country redneck side, crazy and crazy violent. violent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't get drunk and do stupid crap. 
right. they both live paycheck to paycheck. They, you know, I'm I'm telling you, like the similarities <laughs> between the two are utterly ridiculous. Outside oh, of the fact that one is ghetto and one is a redneck. Right. All of all the basic stuff is the same. So my aunt comes and my aunt, I'm telling my aunt calls and she's like, "You will never guess what happened." I'm like, "All right, tell me what happened." They get there. There's some kind of thing happens and they get into a, a fight or whatever. So I have this um, Uncle Bibby, right? So Uncle mm-hmm. Bibby takes two of the guys and they right. disappear into the woods. One ghetto and one redneck, right? Yeah, yeah. They and they disappear off into the woods. So everybody's like, okay, so they've been gone for like an hour or so. So my aunt's like, so they come back, both of them break off, they go talk uh-huh. to their little groups, and then about ten of them go back into the woods. And so they're back there for about an hour or so, and then they oh, come back no. again, they go get more, and then about thirty of them go back in the woods. Yeah. And so like when she's telling me this story, I'm like, what in the, I'm not, I'm oblivious to where she's going with this story. Yeah. And when she said the one word, I, I bust out laughing. What was that? He has a weed farm in the woods. <laughs> oh, my God. You okay. think I ain't joking. <laughs> he has a weed farm in the back of the woods. So he took the ghetto. He took the ghetto. He took the country redneck. They went back in the woods, and all of them came out friends. Now... <laughs> The moral of the story, to get back to the point originally was, the elite don't understand that we don't want to be like them. We don't want to. We don't want cocktail parties, and we don't. We don't want the stuff that you want. We don't think necessarily. We can speak proper grammar when the time calls for it. If we put ourselves in a position where proper grammar is required, then we can speak with proper grammar. Right. But when I'm talking to P. I want to say ain't, because that's how I talk to Pete. Okay. Be like you. You know, I don't want to look past people. I don't want to look over people. I don't want to look down my nose at people. I don't want to judge people. I don't want to think that I'm better than people. I don't want to think that I'm smarter than people. I don't want any of that. I just want to live and be happy and make sure my family is taken care of. And then I'll help anybody outside of that. That's all I want to do. I don't want to be like you. And I think that that is a message we need to take because they look at the elites. Like when they look at black conservatism, I am not the face that they think of. So it is easy for them to say, oh, they're Carlton Banks, oh, they're this, oh, they're that, because every single image that they put up is, every single image that they put up fits that Carlton Banks stereotype. So... How can we get mad when everybody accepts that that's the stereotype of a black conservative? Well, it's, I'm serious, that. like, and that's that's just the point where we find <laughs> it at now. But what I do know for certain, and what I do know without a shadow of a doubt, is that this generation will be the first generation in America that lives under the t- under. One tenth. 75 to 80% tyranny, probably more, and I'm just lowballing it. But living under tyranny, this is, just, I mean, if you just think about what happened in the last week, this is the generation that will learn the definition of liberty, and they will learn it the hard way. Yep. And 
while that is a curse, it can also be a blessing if people like us are putting ourselves in position that when the time comes out, when people call for liberty, when the time comes out that people call for freedom, when the time comes out that people start to understand that there is no utopia fairy tale and all the promises that they made, the government will have to break because they have no choice, then we need to be there, not the ones looking down our nose and saying, I told you so. Not the ones who say, oh, well, all you have to do is change everything about yourself and then you can belong. We're going to be the ones to say, okay, now you know, now let's start making the steps, doing the steps to correct it. Let's start doing the things we, that are necessary for us to make our situation better on our own accord without having to wait for someone else. Well, that's what we need to do, Sonny. And, and that's, and what that's we need to do it is too. completely possible. And everything you said, everything you said, oh, my goodness, you got my mind. Everything you said is completely true. And I think that God listens, and I've learned patience, and I've learned obedience. So, like I said, I, I, I sincerely believe that we will see it in our lifetime. We will, we will, we will see it. Eight five five nine. Sonny said we will see if you guys didn't just hear that. And and I definitely agree. I think I think we'll see. Um, you know what? These these this this is gonna be and I was just talking about this last week. I think the next fifteen to twenty years is gonna be the new era for the for the history books to come. And and, and what I mean by that is that what we do right now is going to pave the way for, for later, but I don't think it's going to be like another 40 and 50 years. I don't think it's going to be like, like the civil rights era paved the way for where we are now. But I think what's happening right now, like the next three, four, five years, is going to pave the way for the next 15, 20 years. And, and, and if we're not, if we're not uh, uh, we're precise about how we go about it, if, in other words, if we don't go hard enough in what we believe and in our faith, and if we really don't start keeping it 100, keeping it real about what we believe and be true to who we say we are, the next 15 to 20 years is not going to look like the America that we know. We're almost there Let now. me, let, I don't want to forget this, so let me, uh, you know, I had a thought. But yeah. this is, let me tell you the one thing I'm most disgusted by. Now, first of all, I am disgusted by a person who tells me I'm right but then tells me, but I don't get involved or I don't pay attention. At that point, I have lost every bit of respect for you. If you can listen to me and hear what I say and be like, you are absolutely right, you are 100% right, but I don't want to get involved, but I don't want to. That means your uninvolvement will lead to my loss of liberty. So you have disgusted me. Because instead of helping me fight, you are making it easier for them to win by proxy. Mm. So you are disgusting me. But, I, I mean, I, oh, my goodness, I cannot tell you how much I despise that. So just FYI, don't ever send me no message telling me how good I am, how great I am, or how much you love what I'm saying, and then put a but. Because the minute look, I see but, I will read in your don't, email. Don't be disgusted, though, because... You you know like it, it's a generation of this that no that, I didn't know it, it just, fighting off like it's it's a generation of of, of like self loathing no it just I can't it just, do no it. I got involved 
I knew I was right. Like, once my mind changed that I was like, oh, my goodness, this is really happening, that's when I started getting involved. So, yes, I was inactive in my ignorance. But the moment you lose your ignorance but choose to do nothing, no. And to me, that's terrible because the worst thing we have, and here's the biggest thing that disgusts me of all, the people who say it is what it is and you can't change it. That's just the way it is. And do you know if you wait five minutes, if you wait five minutes, that person who says it is what it is, you can't change it, will be the person that says, remember when we was kids how different it was? Right. Wait a minute. I thought it was the way it was and it couldn't be changed. Then why the hell is it so different now than when you was a kid? Evidently, it can be changed. But these are the same people who have this attitude, and you are the, you are the enablers of a big government. You know, you have the people who actually believe in big government, you have the people who are against big government, and then you have the people who think that it is perfectly acceptable not to have an opinion either way. Mm-hmm. You are the... You... you Feel liberty from us by proxy, by not using your voice, by not speaking out, by not voting. You help them take away our liberty, and therefore you disgust me. Well, I'm sorry. You know what? No, it's, it's, how that no man, we, we gotta, you got to get over that, sis. I love you to death, but you got more people who, who won't get involved. Listen, people think they're involved at the point of going to register to vote and then saying, I'm not going to vote. Like, people think they're involved by tweeting, by Facebooking, a post. And and you and I know it takes more than that. Like, most people think they're involved by going out to vote for the president of the United States, but not voting for the county commissioner. So with the, with that involvement, you know, people... What my, what my sense of involvement, my sense of involvement doesn't mean you have to um, make phone calls or you have to... That's not my sense of involvement. My sense of involvement is... Um, getting yourself off of a system, um, making sure that you are taking care of your. This is what I, I don't mean when I say get involved. I'm not saying in the political process. I mean get involved in taking yourself out of the democratic stronghold. You, got, you know, you I'm got talking a, about have a better chance of, of being involved in the political process than them being involved in their own lives. I mean, look at look at what's going on in in those democratic neighborhoods that we're from. Like we see it, they don't. A, a lot of times, people don't. It's a generational thing. Like if my mom did it and it was okay, I'm gonna do it because it's okay. And then someone like Sunny comes along, who's inspiring, who brings truth, who who warrants education, who always saying, "Hey, you need to research this, study this, understand this." And then when people do, you know what? They look at it and say, "Ah, it's too hard." So it, it's it's a it's a timing it's a, it's an education like you for God's yes. sake you can't get frustrated because you're the only thing that made people turn around like you preaching your message you being there hearing them say okay I get it like they're gonna slip they're gonna say you know what it's too hard today and then you're gonna say something else out there and they're gonna come back tomorrow and you know what Sunny inspired me again like these are the people that we're dealing with because you know we've been there oh yeah you know what I'm saying. It gets hard. Even, so even with that, even with that, a hundred percent being the case, I slipped, falling, and oh my goodness, so many times. 
But let me tell you what I've always figured out that got me back. What got me back was a person that was willing to say, and, like, oh, I failed, or and. Yeah. You know, and and that's where I see myself, that's how I see myself, because if at, at that point I'm looking at you like, like I said, as a point of saying that you disgust me, you do. And what that means for me is that I won't talk politics with you. I will love you in every other aspect of my life, but I'm not going to have you wasting hours of my time talking politics with you, proving things to be right to you, doing all of this to have you then turn around and say, but. You don't have See, it doesn't mean that you have to get active in the political process. It does mean you should start changing your thought process. Yeah, and it, it, you nice. have to, you have to. And the whole thing is, I can't sit in you and not hold you accountable. I can't yeah. sit in front of you and not hold you accountable. I did expect that anything else that I say, that you're going to take it seriously. Like, like, put it like this. We grew up, we grew up thinking that time was money. Like, time, yeah. you know, it's like time is like time is money. Time, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So why should I give you my time if you're going to do nothing with it? If you are going to do absolutely nothing with it, then why should I give you my time? And I would rather say that to people and have that one person that says back to me because I'm worth your time. And then that person can get it unlimited from me. But if you can't work on getting to that point, then there's no point in dealing with it. We can't save everybody. Some people are perfectly, perfectly fit to be Democrats. <laughs> are perfectly fit, 100% to be Democrats. You just use my own words against me. Like, I, I always say you can't save everybody. But, you know, here's what I realized, and everything you just said was 1,000% right, but here's what I realized, too, right? We don't, you don't, people like us don't have a choice. As as much as those folks might disgust us, as much as we don't want to, man, I'm sick of every time I get on the phone with this person, I got to keep trying to tell them to move on. Listen, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. And, no. and on that, no. I agree with you 100% because even no when I don't feel like it, I, do it. I end up doing it. Because, like, I, I got it. back on Twitter for the first time a couple yeah. days ago. First thing I see is some dude, um, he's like, he wrote me a note. And he's like, um, sending blacks out to organize for the GOP is like <laughs> sending a slave out to bring people back to the plantation. Oh, back to the plantation. So instead, no, exactly right. So instead of arguing, what I know, I sent them back. I sent them back. I'm like, look, little boy. (laughs) Wow. I'm not the one. You need to go and find yourself a new little target because you you're treading very lightly right now. He sends me back. Watch your tone, gal. Yeah. And him back. Let me repeat. I'm not the one. Try me. He never answers again. And it, it comes to it comes to a matter of when you are that weak person 
then you were you were you weren't worth it. You were you was not worth it in the first place for me to even have to write back to you. But I did. So I found myself in moments of weaknesses responding anyway. But it 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 demands on us that we kind of prerequisite our time, put our time in a position that we can actually help the people who want it. Or not even necessarily people who absolutely want it, but the ones that you see it in. We can see which ones under the right circumstances could could do it. And it takes, those are the ones we need to spot and actually get more assistance to and more help to. But you know what I'm saying? You ain't going to really try to help Day Day. (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny, but really? No. When you get the lottery, when you hit the lottery and you buy a house and a car and have nothing left? That's tough. The number one online music tournament encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists 
Then, vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D. C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com, the number one online music tournament. Stationery is an online indie department store, born with the ideology, community, and self. We believe that a garment or accessory created by an independent designer can do more for our community on a deeper level. The ability to wear someone's imagination is a beautiful event. Purchasing independence means wearing something unique while supporting those around you. The designers you support could very well be your neighbors, friends, and family. Embrace your indie state of mind. Shop indie. www.dechcheri.com Day Cherie. You don't call yourself a superstar. That's for other people to say. And you don't come out the south side without a few people having your back. Chicago is my home, my love. It's our time. This is a story about my family, my team, my roots. This is a story of D. Rose. And this is only the beginning. I'm all in. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope Force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone. Inspire you to take action. Be risky and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industries. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, Celebrity Chef Nikki Shaw, Teen and Family Producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show. I know y'all like that confunction love train right there, man. Y'all, I know some people smiling out there, boy. Some babies were made off that record right there, boy. Woo! Lord, have mercy. Jeez, I wish I could, man. Uh, anyway, love that old school, man. Shout out to everybody out there for listening to the KIRP Radio Show, baby. The number one black conservative show, Southeastern United States, because we do it. B-I-G. Shout out to Leslie's Barbershop. Inglewood Avenue, Southeast, 445 Inglewood, Atlanta, Georgia. Owner Leslie, Eric, and Sed. Shout out to you guys, man. This barbershop, King sat in the chair at this shop. A lot of other people sat in the chair at this shop, man. This is one of the historic icon uh, uh, barbers, uh, Mr. Leslie. So shout out to you guys, man. Shout out to everybody out there in Atlanta. Make sure you guys check this out. Leslie's Barbershop, Inglewood Avenue. Also got to give a shout out to my man, Will McCray. William McCray, another barber, uh, a master barber in the trade, uh, author of the book The Miracle in You. Uh, he's also written another book. I don't, I don't know the title of the book right now. We're going to have him on the show real soon. Uh, make sure you guys check this out. This man now, Harden Street, Graham, North Carolina, 27253. Give him a call if you want to bring him on the show. If you want to talk about the book, man, this is a very inspirational guy. His book goes in depth to uh, 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 doing the will of God and, and taking care of yourself at the same time. So you, you're definitely going to enjoy that book. 336-226-0487. Shout out to Will McCray. And also got to give a shout out to the Love and Father Society, my brother Rashad Woods and myself. Our first agenda in the Love and Father Society is called I Love Being a Black Father. Got the t-shirts out there. I know Father's Day is coming up. So you guys, get your pops an official I Love Being a Black Father t-shirt. All right? Great quality. What other way would would your father like to, you know, display his fatherhood? Here's here's something I say to people. Everybody else is out there wearing their pride. So get yourself an I Love Being a Black Father tee, and let's wear our pride, man. So check that out. You can get them on, uh, online at uh, 336promotions.bigcartel.com. That's 336promotions.bigcartel.com. Uh, PayPal, 336promotions at gmail.com. Make sure you guys pick up a t-shirt, man. They are relatively cheap, and it, and, it, and it's a beautiful movement. So, you know, we're doing things in the community. We got events coming up. We're out here. We're working. So shout out to everybody out there who's supporting that movement, man. Celebrities, other radio hosts, a lot of people are calling us, and a lot of people are really looking out, helping us push that movement, man. We've been here. Despite what the media says, black fathers, we have been here. Despite what President Obama has said about us, we have been here. Not all black fathers wear their pants off their ass. A lot of us are out here working, taking care of our families, taking care of our children, despite living in the same household with them or not. We definitely do our thing. And just like other fathers, we have been here. So check that out. We're also on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash I love being a black father. Back to the show. Promo time is over. Got Sonny on the air. And we're about to bring on a very, very controversial. I mean, he's downright... Me- nah, I ain't gonna put that on Najra, man. Yo, welcome to the show. I call him Cat Black. You guys can call him what you want. Cat, what's up? Have no fear. Captain Black is here. What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, man? How you, man? Nothing much, brother. I'm good. I'm good. Just another day in lovely New Orleans where the second <laughs> lines can sometimes be fatal. Woo-wee. I know you know a lot man. about that. What's going on over there, man? Um, it's good so, to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you too, Sonny. You know, I'm so glad that you remember us here on the Chipman Circuit. Yeah, 
<laughs> you know how to pull your legs on it, but I'm, I'm always happy to see your writing, see you on Politicheck, see you anywhere. Because we know. Oh, well, thank you. Are, In case everybody didn't know, let me give a quick introduction. This mm-hmm. is Captain Black is a modern day superhero. And what he does, and when I tell people that, they laugh all the time. And I'm like, if you take the time to actually sit down and have a conversation with Nadra, you never laugh at that again. Because he really puts himself out there. He puts himself on the street. He puts himself on the corner. He puts himself in the middle of fights. He puts himself in the middle of robberies. He puts himself in front of small businesses, in front of people's homes. And he is there. He is a presence and he is a force. And just by that action alone, he, I mean, he does amazing things. So I'd really like to give Nigel a big shout-out for that. Congre- Thank you, brother, for all that you do. And I really, I really appreciate this journey of watching you and, and seeing the things you do and the moves you make. God bless you, brother. Yeah! You like that at the end of the day, if we don't look out for each other, who is? It's like I tell people, be your own superhero because the president, yeah. the governor, the mayor are not coming to your rescue. You know. <laughs> well, and, old... and that's another thing. And for those who don't know, when I um, first started out on radio, the very first interview I ever had was with Nadra. And Nadra, you want to tell him about that interview? Oh man, well now do you want me to give them the backstory, the whole thing about give them identity the and being yourself? Tell, tell them the truth about sure. that interview. All right. Well, I got a call from this perky, bubblegum, <laughs> California-sounding black cheerleader chick who happened to be our hood champion, Sonny, and Sonny was feeling that she needed to sound unlike herself in order to fit in because Sonny is a libertarian conservative. Sonny is responsible for me finally deciding to call myself a conservative despite mm-hmm. being a conservative my whole life. Sonny Johnson did that. But anyway, you know, Sonny called me, oh, hi, how are you doing? And just tell me, what's it like being Captain Black? And then, you know, <laughs> we, we had a great interview. And, I, you know, I remember hanging up the phone, looking at the phone, and said, man, the sister's happy. I said, Okay. Then we talk a little later, and she's telling me about, you know, her life. I mean, we all grew up, many of us grew up in an urban environment. Sonny did, I did, and many of your listeners did too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And she started saying, hey, she wanted to progress in political commentary, but she could no longer do it by pretending. So when you hear Negro dialect, Sonny <laughs> being Sonny, it has come at a tremendous cost. Sonny had the choice between remaining Kunta Kente or becoming Toby, and she chose wow. Kunta. This is who she is, and she's not pretending to be anybody else, and that is a message of identity that has been brought to us from everybody, at, from the first captive that's been brought here to the latest person recording a song, talking about who he is, where he's from, and how he ain't going to change. <laughs> so... Thanks back to you, son. And and that's the truth. Um, Me and Nadja went through it together. Um, We Mm -hmm. both basically, well, I know he would maybe have been active a little bit longer than me, but we both kind of came in together. And Mm -hmm. when everything was falling apart and I I just couldn't figure things out, I would call Nadja and and I would Mm -hmm. cry. You know, I'm a female and that's what I do. 
and I would cry, and, and here's Captain Black, and he's like, are you going to do this or or not? Are you strong enough for this or not? And and Nadja was a rock for me when I really, really needed it. And I really wanted that story to be put out there so Mm -hmm. that people would know exactly, you know, we build relationships in this. So mm-hmm. if you if you think that you're all by yourself or you think that um that no one understands or that you won't be accepted because you're not them, I want people to know that people like me, people like Nadja, people like P, people like Kevin, we exist. So if you're not looking for the Carlton Banks conservatives, you can come and chill with us and we, we got a space for you. And it's so important that you mention that because the stereotype is that to be black and conservative is A, not to be black, B, definitely not to be hood or urban, and C, not to be taken seriously in the black community. And that's not true. You see, when I talk about old school values, when I'm out Mm -hmm. there in the streets, when I'm out there with brothers, sisters who have voted Democrat every day of their lives, including maybe two or three times (laughs) on the same day, we all agree that we want a stable family. We all agree that we want black people and anybody in this country to be safe in their homes and their possessions and in their neighborhoods. We also agree that we need businesses. The only problem is when that comes from the Heritage Foundation and not the foundation of our heritage, a lot of black folks have problems with that. Not feeling. I repeat that line, I said when it comes from the foundation of our heritage, and not the Heritage Foundation, black folks agree with traditional values. But when you put the conservative label on it, or you slap the Republican label on it, we catch highs, hissy fists, some people's heads start spinning around like it's the exorcist. (laughs) All meaningful discourse is shut down. We have got to define who we are. And it can't be, and I'm going to go ahead and go there, a somewhat out of touch on Negro affairs, Republican Party, nor can it be a totally manipulative, pimping Democratic Party. Amen. We have to define who we are. That means that being black means Carlton Banks, Sonny Johnson, Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, and a whole bunch of other people, Clarence Thomas, and we cannot allow anybody in the 21st century, any century, to dictate to us, this is what you can be, and if you're not it, then massacres are going to come down on you. Mm-hmm. See, I, this is what I say. I, I, I really, I really love Nigel. Well, last time, I, last time we really got to speak, you were in Georgia, and you mm-hmm. made the move now to North Carolina. A, why did you make the move? And two, what do you see the differences in between what you left in Georgia and what you're finding now down in the Ninth Ward? Well, the difference between Georgia. And New Orleans is the difference between night and day. <laughs> because Georgia was a city of very, Savannah, Georgia, the home of Troy Davis and Clarence Thomas, like I introduced you to people, is filled with a lot of nice black folk who won't make a peep, even if you kick them so hard that you got to change your shoes to kick them again. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, on the other hand, is filled with black folks who, if you kick them one time, you better run because you might not have a foot left when they catch you. But all the, you know, all the hyperbole aside, what I like about New Orleans is it's a very dynamic and active environment. 
Yes, it's in the Democratic chokehold. The Democrat mayor here plays black folks like a fiddle, but guess what? That's our fault. You know, if we want better, then we've got to choose better and not accept treatment from people simply because there's a D behind their name. But I, I like New Orleans, and I like it definitely better than Savannah. Short answer. Well, that's, I guess that's good because the reason I really asked that, and I, I, I kind of wanted to wait to get into it, but I think, me and you have the most fun conversations when we go here. Our BU, our biggest, um, I guess, opposition point lies in race. And um, actually, tell them, tell them about your background outside of just being a conservative. Like, your your religious standing and, and and some of the ways you feel about rela- race relations in America and and that kind of thing oh, and we can go what? after that after you give an explanation of where you stand on those things. Certainly, certainly. While I was in college at Savannah State College, now Savannah State University, I was exposed to the life giving teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yes, folks, I was a black Muslim for many years after college. I have since transitioned somewhat, this might shock you, Sonny, to just basically a more non-sectarian stance, and I'm going to tell you why. As I looked around and saw, put on your seatbelt, Sonny. I'm, I got it on. I'll wait for all right, it. saw how the Judeo-Christian ethic was under attack from the left. And, you know, I've never had a problem with Jesus. Never had a problem with the Bible. Never had a problem with my mom or my grandmother, who, guess what, were really big on Jesus and the Bible. But I do have a problem with people who want to push perverted, failed policies from Eastern Europe onto black people in North America and call it an upgrade over what we were taught. Now, we need to work out stuff from slavery forward. You know, I'm all for that. But... This sick stuff that's being pushed now under the guise of, quote, progressivism, liberalism, or being black so long as there's a D behind your name, I can't go for it. So I found that I need to make a stance that was more in line, more in line with my core values, which, is, which has always been belief in God, belief in the sanctity of life, belief in limited government, and belief in the dignity of my community. And I'm sorry, what's being peddled to our people, and I hate to say it, is being promoted from the pulpits and the classroom. So it's secular and spiritual subversion needs to be fought, whether you believe in God, whether you don't believe in God. If you believe in people not being trifling, you need to unite against what's being shoved down our people's throats. That was some of the change I had. Also, I used to be something of a racial separatist. Now, when I say something, I've always had white friends, so someone's skin color has never been my issue. The issue was growing up in a place like Savannah. It's in a time war type place like Savannah. We are still fighting battles there that most of the United States resolved more or less in the 1960s and 1970s. So when I encountered people with a certain redneckishness or redneck attitude, then, yeah, I went at it full Full bore, hammer and tongue. I've since realized that the beauty of the secular culture the United States has is that you don't have to like me, I don't have to like you, but if we're not breaking the law or violating anybody's rights, we don't even have to interact with each other, nor do we have to spend a lot of time arguing with each other. 
and, you know, mean mugging each other from cross protest lines. You do your thing, I do my thing. Because guess what? In the 21st century, Big Brother's watching both of us. So if either one of us gets too stupid, we're both going to the same destination. And I realize that ultimately I've always fought to have an America that works for everybody. I just always have stressed that everybody meant black folks too. So, Sonny, that's that's who I was, that's who I am, that's who I think I will be. No, I mean, it's it's completely, completely excellent because, you know, me and you, and and this is one thing um, that I learned when me and you, you know, would have our discussions. Cause me and me and Nadra would call each other. We would talk for hours, and mm-hmm. what 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 we came to mutually to agree with that we had lived in different time periods. Yeah. Um, where Nadra came up, and he he kind of came up with that that where where the emphasis was placed on race. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, you know. Our emphasis was placed on surviving. Our, you know, our interest. Mm-hmm. It really had little to do with race until we got older and our vote started to matter, and then all of a sudden race started to matter. So, um, during our discussions, we would come up and we would realize that it was really a generational gap that we were experiencing. That we had kind of grew mm-hmm. up in two different. Time, so to speak, and especially of of how you say um, Savannah was kind of stuck back in history, and I think that Virginia had you know progressed a little bit more, and we weren't we were pretty mixed up pretty well, so we didn't have that problem, and we saw that there was a difference in our perspective. Perspectively speaking, now mm-hmm. what? Before I before I ask this question, have you ever thought about being a publicist? A publicist? You mean yes. promoting people? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It hasn't worked too well for myself, but if you think so, yeah, I tried. <laughs> well, you, I think you would do well at it because you're constantly putting out articles, you're constantly promoting yourself, mm-hmm. and I see you all the time. I think you do an excellent job at it. So. Um, you know, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. If you if you don't know, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, you're Captain Black or you Nadra Enzi on Twitter. Oh yeah, it's uh, at Nadra Enzi, N A D R A E N Z I, with Captain Black in parentheses on Twitter. But yeah, I, I thought about being a publicist. I mean, the point is, we we have got to get this message out. I mean, we are the counterculture. Like I tell people, the most radical thing a black person can do these days is have relationships. Not be a Democrat. With, uh, well, that's you know what even that's getting kind of passe. So you, you don't know what a lot of Negroes are doing to call themselves Republicans behind closed doors. But I do know. I agree. That. I agree totally. Believe in God. Believe in traditional marriage, meaning one man, one woman. <laughs> if you have children and you're not married, stay in their lives. You know these topics, these issues, these points are almost unheard of in the contemporary culture. And now the so-called revolutionary of today is really just a person who is, you know, promoting traditional values without explanation mm-hmm. nor apology. And you can do that and still have your pants sagging or whatever it is you, you are into and not have to imitate or act like anybody else because memo to the haters, white folks are the only ones with that home training. And I, and I think we need to kind of 
reemphasize that to, you know, Melissa Harris, Perry, and some other folks out there who just feel like, look, if we can't run it by the Polar Bureau, then, you know, black folks will never have sane families again, and that's not true. And just for a refresher, Melissa Perry, she's the one that we went in the other night on P who says our families really don't belong to us, that they oh, belong to the community. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I'm with you. She's a nut. That, what that's her. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I'll, let me ask you along that line since you brought that up. Because sure. in some ways I agree with what she's saying, but mm-hmm. on the basic principle of what she's saying, I totally disagree. So let me give mm-hmm. you what I mean. What she was saying was that basically we should turn our kids over to government, and then government becomes the community. So that is the community that we belong to. It's not that we belong to Ninth Ward, New Orleans, or Southside, Richmond, VA, or, you know, so, you know, it's not that we belong to those communities. It's, it's that we belong to the government community. Now, mm-hmm. there's people like you who go out and do the community, not the government community, the people community. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a huge difference because we want to say your kids are a part of this community the same way she says your kids are a part of this community. But what we mean is, what she means is a community of government. What we mean is a community of people. Like back in the day when the lady from two apartments down saw you doing something wrong, she would beat you, didn't carry you home, tell your mom you did it, and then your mom will beat you. You know, and that was what our definition of community is. So, Captain Black, tell the difference between the government community and the community that you serve in every single day. I'm going to take you back to 42nd Street in Savannah, Georgia, where I was raised. I ended up inheriting the house I grew up in. Across the street were the two greatest early warning systems known to man, Mrs. Way and Mrs. <laughs> Yes, sir. You more saw more than NORAD, NSA, CIA, <laughs> DIA, and anybody else you name. And as a grown man, I'm 47 years old, and even in my 30s and 40s, I would always make sure that I tighten. Not that I did anything wild, but I always made sure that I tightened myself up around Mrs. Way and Mrs. Dowdy because all my life coming back and forth to the house. These were the ladies who were friends of my grandmother, and thus these were the ladies who were part of that extended family that when liberals and socialists start talking about the extended black family, what they leave out of that is that this extended family believed in discipline, it believed in public decorum, it believed in not embarrassing your family or your race, that's what they were into back then, or being an American. Now, they had... Enough re- more reasons to hate America than any people under the age of 50 today could even dream of. But they still love the country, love their community, and demanded the best from themselves and the young people in the community. Now compare this to the freak show <clears throat> where overage hippies and <laughs> are telling you that your child does not belong to you and in fact belongs to the social engineers and the central planning committee. And I submit to you, where has communism worked? It didn't work in Russia. Even they got rid of it. 
yep. didn't work in Africa. That's, that's almost destroyed Africa. I mean, where has it worked? But on the campus of American universities. That's the only place where it's worked, and guess what? It only works because it's being funded by capitalism, and they have not totally destroyed the economy. But they're working on it. Wow. Well, yeah, and, and, and of course, you find it in schools today. And this is something I bring up. And let, and let me get your opinion on whether you agree with this or not. We have a, we have a problem with the dropout rate. Um, especially in black communities. And I want to put aside, we're always, um, and I think it has a lot to do with the teachers and the system that's set up, but I want to put that aside for a second. And um, I think that the reason we have the dropout rate that we do, and it's a necessity for people like you to do what you do, is because they're not being sold capitalism. So they go, and, and you started at college, and I want to go back to, to the elementary schools and to the middle schools when they first introduced the idea that the government is supposed to take care of you. And then you go home and you see the government taking care of your mother. And when they see these things, the first thing they do is run to the street, and what they're running to is capitalism. You know, they're, they're running to... Now, it's a cutthroat capitalism with no regulations. It is. I call it destructive capitalism, but it is yep. capitalism nonetheless. It is destructive oh, yeah. capitalism. It is driven by the profit motive, and they don't worry about federal regulators. They don't have to worry about the FEC. They don't have to worry about anything but not getting caught by the police and not getting killed. You know, but if that is... That's, that's that the is, only capitalism many of our neighborhoods see, unfortunately. Well, with with the population we have that doesn't understand the creative capitalism, you know, mm -hmm. the the production side of, of capitalism, you have, those are basically the ones that drop out. And I say that we have a majority of our CEOs on the street corner. And mm -hmm. as a person who is constantly there on the street corner, tell me um, something... Tell me redemptive. Give me a redemptive story that you um, that you have, because we always focus on the negative about things oh. that are going wrong and things that are going bad. But I know one of the main reasons that keep us coming back is is the good things. It's the days that mm -hmm. we just something good happen. So let share with us some redemption. Plenty. I mean, on my blog, before crack hit and even after crack hit, it was still a blog that produced. Um, one corner, a brother who went to college and now went to college, went to law school, and now owns his own tour guide business. And this cat can do about 20 different professions well. Next door to Mrs. Way, across the street from my grandparents' house, a brother who was, on the uh, who was a lieutenant on a nuclear submarine. Mrs. Way's son graduated, went to the Air Force Academy, graduated from that, and is deep in the Pentagon somewhere with the Defense Intelligence Agency doing God knows what. But the people he's doing it to deserve it. <laughs> this is all. This is in the so-called inner city. My folks were school teachers. My maternal grandmother was a child of college graduates who, in their time, could only get a job as my great grandfather was a handyman and chauffeur for a rich northern family, and my grandmother, my maternal great grandmother, was their maid. And this was with college degrees. And all this is in the so-called underprivileged, underserved, under under whatever else you want to call it, in the city. We've got young people who have done great things coming out of Savannah. We've got young people 
who are doing great things here in New Orleans, but the element that gets the headlines too often are like the two young men who on Mother's Day shot into a crowd of hundreds of people. Well, one of them shot into a crowd, and he was assisted by another, unless they confirmed how the other brother was shooting. But these guys, very young, very misguided, shot into a crowd of people. And this is, and sadly, this is not unusual at street celebrations in, in New Orleans. The unusual part is that this time white folks got injured. Usually just us shooting in the crowds of us. And when that happens, particularly a reporter and some other people, now we get this global attention. And we've got young people doing marvelous things here in New Orleans. But regrettably, mainstream media will not focus on the good that you asked me about as much as they will horror stories like this. And here's the funny part. Why is that? And in our community, too, now, let alone other people. But why is it we don't accentuate the positive when we're being faced, you know, we're we're facing this challenge in our families, in our households, in our relationships, in our neighborhoods. And even if you move away, you still know people who are caught up in this. But why don't we try to be more affirmative in our actions? Why, Why not? Because, I mean, and, and this kind of goes back to that first conversation we had. We we feel like we, just as much as anyone else, has to put on that, have to put on that mask. And even mm-hmm. to, get to, to get those stories out, to, to be able to tell the positive stories. Like, I have gotten to the point where, I, like, what ticks me off about, like, say, Chicago? And I'm going to take this mm-hmm. as an example off of what you said for New Orleans. It gets to the point now that when they're reporting on the deaths in Chicago, they don't even give the people's names anymore. Mm. I mean, I'm, like, waiting for the day where they, like, flash their Social Security numbers like they're in China. And the people actually don't have names. They just have numbers. <laughs> because, like, that's that's the point where it is now. We're at the point where we are so de- desensitized that we were here seven people shot, three people dead. In Chicago, in two days, and no one even ever questions the people's name. And outside of it being like a little kid, a little girl, a little boy at the playground, you don't hear about any of these people. And the mainstream media, of course, because it's Chicago, because it's progressive bastion and it's the liberal, you know, birthplace of Obama, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't let it slip out. They don't show it. How loud do we have to scream? What what do we have to scream to actually get our to get black people to be interested in saving their own lives? I mean, because I think critically, that's where we're at. That's the point now. No, like you said, mm-hmm. no one's coming to save us. The governor isn't going to save us. Obama isn't going to save us. Nope. What do we have to scream to get black people to desire saving themselves? I have teamed up with a local. Liberal Reverend named Reverend Raymond Brown. We agree on outcomes. We don't argue ideology. We went and met for several days in a row with the mother of those two young men. We have got to tell our people that it's not cool to kill each other, to rob each other, to sell drugs to each other, and think that we should just accept that as a prevailing reality. And it means that 
you know, we have got to be the ones to excommunicate and to shame and to rehabilitate these guys. Nobody else is going to do it. New Orleans is infamous for one thing. It has the highest rehabilitation incarceration rate in America. This one city drives the statistics for the entire state. And you can blame slavery. You can even blame the great society. But at the end of the day, it is our behavior and our customs and the culture that we have embraced that makes this insanity happen. Most of us who grew up with some sanity really just throwing our hands up in the air because we really honestly don't know what to do. And the catch-22 is, let's be honest, if groups of black men start patrolling their neighborhoods with baseball bats and guns trying to, quote, take the corners back, police will take them out of commission faster than the drug dealers that would be chasing behind. Yep. So now we've got to be honest with ourselves and with our fellow Americans and ask, do you really want the inner city and the criminals and the inner city producers that attacks other people? Do you really want that stopped? And if so, are you going to get out of the way and let us do it? Because the biggest opposition you get is some hippie or some black Marxist who's going to get up and start screaming that you're violating somebody's rights or that it's vigilante justice, or if you keep it strictly legal, then they'll still say, well, yes, it's legal, but it's not a good law. See, it's never good when when the victim is black and poor. It's, it's always There's always some mitigating circumstance as long as you keep your victims black and poor. But the minute you touch Marley Mormon, guess what? You're out of commission. And see, I see all life is valuable. I don't color code it, and I don't put a value to one life being more valuable than another. And too often, particularly in our liberal-led urban centers, the same people you elect are the same ones, and the only time they really might crack down on street crime is when somebody tells them from the Chamber of Commerce, hey, these Negroes are affecting our convention business. Then suddenly you start seeing some action. But just us, just the fact that we're dying and the fact that we're Americans and the fact that we're dying more per capita <clears throat> than troops deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan, that's immaterial. You know, until we make it an issue, nobody else is. You know, Nazar, I just wanted to I just wanted to say something real quick, and and you, sure. you're right about that. It's uh, I'm I'm at the point where I just don't know anymore because okay, we have so many issues right that that speaks volumes in terms of black people now and and how we're mm-hmm. dying out. Like I, I I was telling a group of kids one day I said you know, and this might sound crazy, fanatical, or whatever you want to call it. I said, but to kill a black man should be equivalent to killing an extinct animal, an endangered species. Because, I, I mean, seriously, if you apply the numbers to each other, and they, they correlate very well, if you apply mm-hmm. the percentage to each other, it's the same thing. Like, we're, we're dying at the same rate as an endangered species to crime, abortion, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of times it's self-inflicted, like you said before. So I'm 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 at a standstill, man, and I wonder... What's going to resonate to our people? Like, what's what's going to make us quote unquote wake up? Because it's not a. Here's what's going to make us wake up. I think mm-hmm. the same way we look at those black and white photos of people marching and say, "Wow, you know that was really great." We need to start marching against abortion. We need to start marching against black and black crime. We need to start marching against these democratic politicians 
who get our votes and don't listen to us until it's re-election time. Because, you know, we're at that point. Bro, I'm 47 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start naming all the people I've lost. And since I've been in New Orleans three years, I've lost one person I've known, directly known at least, per year. Wow. We ain't talking about to the Iraqis. We ain't talking about the Soviet intelligence. We're talking about the other black folks with guns and bad intentions. And if we don't change it, it's not going to change. You know, we don't prioritize it. We can't demand somebody else do it. You know, let's be very honest. Uh, there might be some Obama fans out there. I apologize to you in advance for what I'm about to say. Well, this dude never claimed that he had your experience. He can't fake. I heard him talk at Morehouse, and it was painful. You can try to pretend to be black. Just be what yeah. you are. Because yeah. anybody, in particular those guys at Morehouse, well, one, you got enough Secret Service agents and guns with to just say, okay, we're just going to chill out whatever protest we thought about having. <laughs> Just be honest. This man does not relate to American blacks. His experience, which is valid, just like all of our experiences are, is valid, but it's not our experience. And people with these this 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 plague of low self esteem we have, we put all the stuff on Obama. Well, take a minute. Take a minute to explain what do you mean by he doesn't have our experience. Oh, very simply. Now we have many mixed race people. In America That's not the issue The issue is that He was fortunate He was born to active missions He was raised by his mother He grew up variously In Indonesia And Hawaii Nothing's wrong with that And I've read his books And I know that obviously you know He's faced his particular challenges But the world that he grew up in Actually is has more in common With Carlton Banks Than it does me or you. He grew up in a world of relative privilege. It was a majority white world. Nothing wrong with that. We're all God's children. We're all Americans. That's not the issue. Here's the issue. The first time he tried to run for congressional office, he tried to run for Congress against ex-Black Panther Bobby Rush. Thank Bobby you. told him he was going to beat him. And like Muhammad Ali, he quoted the round and he beat him and beat him badly. Yep. Because in the black community at that time, and quiet as is kept even now, President Obama was considered to be a, a creation of rich white liberals who were looking for a black face to help prop up their dying ideology. And let's be very honest, liberalism was not doing too well. That's a fact. Until Obama came along. Bill Clinton won two terms. By not being, and then, you know, people can argue about what his what his core beliefs were, but that triangula- triangulization method that he and Dick Morris worked out borrowed <laughs> enough conservative features to get him reelected. Absolutely, and out Newt Newt in some instances. Absolutely, Preach. but it was acceptable because he was a Democrat when he came up with when he transitioned AFDC, Aid to Families of Dependent Children, to TANF. Temporary assistance for needy families If a Republican had done it You might have had rioting in the streets But he's a Democrat so he did it When he locked up 100,000 Or actually excuse me I think what the figure was A million more black men Through stringent drug enforcement policy Which I particularly applaud And you know I know this isn't popular But I'm sorry a crack dealer In my mind Is not a civil rights activist (laughs) (laughs) 
that's just my opinion. I know, you know, hip-hop and popular culture, you know, a lot of folks, we got some conservative brothers who say, look, man, I used to sling. I'm like, I understand that. Guess what? If you were slinging in the white community, you wouldn't even be here right now. They don't allow you or me to come in their community and sell poison to their people or engage in acts of wanton violence. We allow people to do that. Absolutely. Back to what I was saying about Obama. Taking all that together, Obama is not representative of the black community. Now, he is representative of America. He is, in many ways, a quintessential American. He's, got, he's a combination of all these different populations that came to these shores. And he can be something for everybody. But at his core values are not from the black experience or not from the American black experience. You know, he can identify with Marxists. He can identify with socialists. He can identify with academicians. He can identify with lawyers. He can identify with Muslims born overseas. You know, he can speak Arabic. He can pronounce the words obviously better than most Americans can because he grew up in the Madras. He grew up quoting the Quran. He grew up all, doing all these things. But to say that he can relate the way you and I can, and, I mean, if I met him, I said, man, let's just stop. Don't don't give me the phony southern accent. <laughs> uh, I slap you and go to jail. I'm just going to be honest with you. I do not. It's patronizing. If you aren't black the way the rest of us are, just be yourself. You know, you don't see Soledad O'Brien, for instance. Now, you don't see her popping, chewing gum and moving her neck and try to act like one of the homegirls from the block. That's not who she is. You know, black is a broad definition. Hey, they call me out for popping my neck. Because <laughs> that's you being you. And, my, and if I were president of the United States, Sonny and Pudgy, you know, y'all would say, Black, why are you not talking about what's happening in Chicago or Detroit or New Orleans? You know, why did you go to Sandy Hooks? Why did you just send your wife to Chicago, but you never went to Chicago to talk about the crime there? Why is it when this... This music Not went one. crazy in Denver, Colorado. And he sense. turned down, remember when they gave him the lead role in the parade? Um, mm-hmm. The biggest, what they call civil rights parade down, I mean, in um, mm-hmm. in Chicago, and they made him drill master, and he turned it down. It didn't show Marched up. I marched instead for him. Black folks have low self-esteem. Liberals have been using it to devastating advantage. Harry Reid can talk about no discernible Negro dialect, and he still has an office. And if a white Republican even stutters, maybe he was going to say Negro, maybe he was going to say the N-word. If he stutters in public, he can go ahead and just send in his resignation. And this is a sad state of our political affairs. You know, people like Sonny are the future of the black community because at some point we're going to wake up and realize that I'm American and I'm black in that order. Born here, raised here, helped build here, and no matter how much liberal propaganda they pump into my head, I am still a citizen. No matter how many legitimate obstacles I face, I'm still an American citizen. What is the op- what's the, the only option? Seize your citizenship. Participate, prepare yourself. The reason why we do so badly in school, I think, is also cultural. I grew up in a household where people read. If I saw a book, if I even my eyes even looked at a book, 
in the bookstore. My folks got it for me. Many of mm-hmm. our children do not even see their parents reading the ingredients on a can of soup they might be opening, let alone a book or the morning newspaper. You know, we, we have got to fine-tune our culture. Do you know that Ben Carson's mother was not even able to read or not read well when he when she raised her, her sons, made them write book reports, fronted like she could understand what they were reading, and created a neurosurgeon. And I know his, his brother is another highly skilled professional also. So it's he's, not a, about money. he's a rocket scientist. He works in NASA. Rocket science. Of course. Yes. <laughs> of course. Wow. Because somebody had expectations of them greater than what the immediate environment was offering. Well, I, then I'll make I'll make you laugh on this one. So, sure. um, my daughter slipped in her grade, right? And she brought me B pluses home. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. So, so, and I, I I took this as a chance to do a little bit of exp- of an experiment. So. I have a group of people, you know, the people that are close to me, family, friends, all of those things. And I start, and I tell them all, you know, she got these B's on her report card. Mm-hmm. And you can pick out the liberal and you can pick out the conservative. The mm-hmm. liberal will say, oh, well, the B is good. Don't be hard on her. You should, ex- you know, you should accept the B. And then you will have the people you know to be conservative will be like, that's right, get on her. Don't let her start messing up young. Catch it, nip it fast in the bud while she's young. And you can define people in those simple terms of mm-hmm. of what they of what they're willing to accept. Like like um mm-hmm. like uh Nadra said. Because they have it now where I have people that be like, Oh, your daughter is she's so well behaved, she's so well spoken, she's so this, that or the other and then I I'm like she's not like the rest of them. Yeah, she's not like the rest of them. And then, you know, like my daughter can't pop, lock, and drop it. She she don't, you know, she don't do any of that stuff. So my daughter's kind of the awkward little weird girl when we go home. And I'm completely, you know, I am completely cool with that. But you can break it down and see the difference. And when they ask me how she got that way, and I tell them that it's because I ride her, they tell me it's something wrong with me. And that I shouldn't be so hard on her, or I should raise up off of her, or I should give her a break. And does that speak to what you mean about us not having our own self-confidence and being able to change our own standards? Don't it really start with you making sure you prepare your children? No matter where you are at your point in your life, you should be giving more of that to your kids. Let me tell you something. I've got partners I grew up with. I know how wild those dudes were, but now the person that their children know them to be? (laughs) um, And let's be very honest. How many parents out there listening right now would want your 13-year-old daughter to record a video of her twerking? Man. (laughs) But remember now, it's self-expression. Remember, it's just harmless dance. Remember, see, everything the liberals say, and guess what? Let Obama catch one of his daughters in a twerk video and see how he reacts. No, he listens to the Lil Wayne. might come out of him then. Right, you might be surprised with that because when you have a politician that uses, I don't want my daughter to have to live with a mistake. 
you know, you might, you, you might. Know he slips. But you, you know, know what? You I never know, know. Man, you know. You know man, he likes to lock filmmakers up. up and all of that stuff. So True. if one of them girls come out with a video, all he'll do is throw the dude in jail, and nobody will hear from him again. No, they kill and him. also Obama <laughs> talked about how it was, you know, he was happy that America had uh, the Second Amendment because he's a father with teenage daughters. Yeah. You know, he once again, he wants better for his children than the slop he pushes to our children. And that's to me, that's the conceit of the whole liberal agenda. And speaking of children, and speaking of why I call myself pro-life plus, which means I support the unborn and the crime victims outside the womb, we actually have here in New Orleans, you're going to love this, Sister Celeste sent me this information and reminded me that I need to tell you all about the Planned Parenthood facility that they are going to build here in Chocolate City by 2014. And you oh. know why they're doing it? Because they want to do us a favor because God knows you don't want any more nappy-headed, ugly black children in New Orleans. Isn't that what the abortionists say? One of them was quoted as saying that. Absolutely. So we got Absolutely. a plan. Yeah, we got a Planned Parenthood facility coming up. But we also have a multiracial coalition of folks. Most of them Obama voters, by the way, but all of them pro-life, nonetheless, who are opposing this, including the black head of the Southern Baptist Convention. They elected a brother. <laughs> You know, I've never been stuck in the past. Yes, I had some rough edges about race, but I've also, particularly when I talk to younger people, you have to be sure that you're not providing an example that could get somebody into serious trouble. We have had tremendous progress. I remember as a child that a black person could even walk inside a Southern Baptist church in Savannah. I don't even care if he was a janitor. Mm-hmm. That's the type of vibe. That's the type of mindset. That's the type of demonic spirit that they have slain or if not slain, at least put on ice in that particular denomination, and they should be applauded for it. But again, he is one of the local religious leaders who will be united to have a protest at this at the site of this planned facility. You know, we need to tell these ghouls, Planned Parenthood, that, I mean, and, and let's be very honest, we already know about Margaret Sanger. We already know that she would have been very comfortable in the SS uniform. You know, all that's kind of trite. And play it out. She wore it under need her dress. To focus on. Hmm? <laughs> no, I said she wore it under her dress, but go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay, well, well, you know, sometimes, you know what I tell some folks when I'm dealing with an obviously racist white person? I'll look down and tell them your sheet is showing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I understand. Exactly. Right. Oh, and speaking of obviously racist white people, remind me to tell y'all about the two white anarchists who are. Allies of the black man and woman in America, but when we had a fight, because I had a fist fight with two of them in April, they called me the N word more in those heated exchanges than I think I've been called in my entire life wow. <laughs> in conservative Savannah. But back to Planned Parenthood. Isn't it interesting that these ghouls always want to place their murder mills? in majority black communities. Now, white folks have been a zero population growth for a long time. One baby dies, one baby, well, one older person dies, you know, and the baby is supposed to be born. Well, they've been having fertility problems. This isn't some Afrocentric fantasy. 
this is something that you can research independently. CDC is documenting it, and a lot of white nationalists are documenting it too. You bring in all these brown people from Mexico for slave labor. You let guest workers come here legally on work visas for, we'll just say, regulated slave labor, because that's what it is. (laughs) You displace jobs for Americans, and then you look around and you're shocked when suddenly you've got all this unemployment, and then on the West Coast you've got all this racial tension as Latinos and blacks vie for for elected positions and, you know, social status in these communities. And, you know, you you just sit back and wonder, in the midst of all this confusion, now you're building Planned Parenthood facilities. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, I I don't think there's a Klansman lurking under every rock and behind every bush. But when it comes to the Democratic Party, I've always said this. Theirs is a clan hood that has a smiley face on it. And a smiley face on a clan hood does not make it any less a clan hood. And we need to be very careful because a lot of these white folks in the Democratic Party, not all of them, I'm not saying they're all racist. Some of them know exactly what I'm talking about because they fight with these people every day. They will smile in your face, smile in black people's faces, and treat you worse than the worst white Republican or white conservative you can. And Planned Parenthood is a shining example because in the in the land of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they are offering our young women abortions. Wow. Well, Nadra, I, I had so much fun speaking with you. I missed you. Mm-hmm. We definitely have to do this more often, man. Well, thank you, Sonny. And Pudgy, thank you, too. You know, I, I never thought I'd make it to keep it real radio, you know. Hey, man. I didn't think I'd be in the big time. We just been waiting to get you on here, brother. It's, it, 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 you're always welcome, man. We just been waiting for the right time to get you on here. You know, as I alluded before. Yeah, all the time. Well, I just, I really, Nadra. I'm telling you, I keep you in my prayers. I, 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 I watch out for you. I follow everything you do. Um, as much as you up me, and you do, brother. And I appreciate, mm-hmm. and I see it all the time. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love you. And I want you, you to know that Love and keep too. that with you and hold that with you. But you. I'm going to do P-Job right this minute because at this moment is the moment he makes you give a shout-out. So I'm going to steal his thunder from him and, and, and give you the floor <laughs> and tell you go ahead and put a shout-out. Well, I've got to give a shout-out to God for making me such an interesting person with such an interesting life. Thank you, Lord, for being with me. Thank you for the parents that you gave me who took care of me and provided everything for me and who, out of gratitude, I tried to help other people because they did not have the parents I had. I'd like to thank the publisher of The Bold Pursuit. I'd like to thank Lynn from Frederick Douglass Republicans. I know some people say it's corny. It might be corny, but all I say is look at the DNC. (laughs) I'd like to thank Sister Celeste holding up the conservative standard here in the pit <laughs> New Orleans itself and I'd like to thank everybody friends and family alike for listening okay I think that's our buzz to get out I'm going to let Pete close you out but yet again thank you Naja I appreciate it my pleasure Naja thanks for coming on and uh, I wish we could give a warm round of applause to Naja man for coming on and, and Really holding it down on the show, man. Can we get a round of applause for Nigel coming on? All right. There we go. 
So listen, man, you, listen, you, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thanks for giving all your shout-outs. Thanks to everybody who tuned in to the show. If you guys didn't hear the show from the top, make sure you tune in to KIRPRadioShow.com. You can hear the rebroadcast of the show. Uh, you know you know where to find this, man. Thanks for listening to the show. God bless everybody. And remember, God is love. Love is God. We'll check you guys out next week. Thanks, Nigel. Sonny, love you. Catch you next week.